in our life. Are we? Everything's live now, Matt. I'll hand over to you. Perfect. Thanks, Dale. Hi, guys. Um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, um, my name is Matthew Casson. Um, I'm an investment manager at Bruin Dolphin. Um, and big thank you before we start to the Fashion Network for helping put on today. Uh, and most importantly to Katie for, for providing us with uh, what will hopefully be answers to some very interesting questions. Um, this is part of a collection of webinars that we're putting on uh, to hopefully help business owners um, understand the process and the various different investment partners that they can go through and, and the guidance they can get along the way. Um, so, so that's a little bit from me. I'm going to hand over to Katie now just to, to do a quick intro. Thanks, Matt. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks very much for taking time out of your day to chat with um, Matt and I. Um, and thanks also to the Fashion Network. Um, so yeah, I'm an investor with Forward Partners based out of London. Um, my background is has been in venture capital. Um, I prior to Forward Partners, I was at Vantage Capital, which is a, a Series A fund based out of Vancouver, Canada. Um, so at Vantage, I focused on specifically focused on um, B2B SaaS deals. Um, and then I moved over to Forward Partners just over a year ago, where we're investing in pre-seed and seed stage companies across um, applied AI marketplaces and e-commerce. Perfect. Thank you, Katie. Uh, just to sort of um, make sure everyone understands, you know, we are live. We're happy to take questions as and when they come through. Uh, just put them in the chat bar and I'll come to them um, when I can. Um, but I have got a list of questions, which uh, you know, I'm going to start now. Um, Katie will provide answers. If there's anything that you want to expand on, again, just throw it in the chat bar and uh, when we can, we'll come to them. So, um, First thing we're going to sort of talk about is sort of the basics of what forward partners and do um, and sort of where they fit in the investment universe. So um, well, over to you, Katie, <laughs> where, where do forward and partners sit in today's yeah. investment universe? Um, so we invest at the earliest stage of a startup's life. So that is pre-seed and seed. Um, sometimes we're even investing at the idea stage, which is before a company is even incorporated. And so um, our check sizes on the pre-seed side are between 200K and 500K and on seed side between 500K and 2 million pounds. Um, we do invest with the intention of following until exit, um, but post a series A is uh, not a fit for us. Oh, perfect. Companies like your own are very important in sort of in today's economy. Um, so, so sort of where, where do they fit in the economy and, and what is it they help sort of bring to the economy? Just so we get an idea of why forward and partners and why institutions like you exist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so VCs, I'm sure you're all aware, we invest in businesses with high growth potential from idea stage through to growth um, and then exit. And we invest with, in exchange for equity in the company. Um, we provide board support. We provide um, business expertise alongside our investments to essentially help you scale and grow faster. So get, get to where you want faster. Um, and, and, you know, data shows that VC-backed companies are likely to achieve um, greater success and contribute more significantly to the aggregate economy. Um, and, then, and I have some stats um, based on Tech Nation's um, report from 2019 that shows, so in 2019 was a record year for the UK. We invested 13 billion into UK startups, which was up 44% from the previous year, 2018. Um, and just to put that into perspective for everyone, um, we received more investments in the UK than Germany and France combined. Um, and our investments accounted for over a third of total investments in all of Europe. So these, these uh, going back to you know, why this is important is that these investments go into high growth companies, um, they're spurring a lot of innovation and they're creating high skill jobs for, for um, lots of people across the country. That's brilliant. Thank you. So, um, so I suppose we all owe you a great attitude, uh, debt of gratitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got my I words wrong. Right um, so let's learn a little bit more about sort of forward and partners. How many companies are you currently invested in? Um, how many people are in the organization? Just a bit more sort of generally on forward and partners. Yeah. Um, so we've got about 60 companies in our portfolio. 
Um, we're in fund two right now, which is sitting at 60 million pounds. Um, we've got 20, so there's five of us on the investment team and roughly 20 on the studio team. And just to add more color to that. So the studio team is all operational support that we offer to our portfolio companies. We operate, so I guess you could compare that to an accelerator, except that we just have a bit more skin in the game. So we're providing that operational support once you're a portfolio company of ours. Um, and so, yeah, just to put that into perspective, five of us are in the investment team, 15 are roughly across tech, and then the rest of the five are span sort of marketing and, and recruitment. Um, and so we do we do offer quite a bit of support um, in addition to the capital that we're, we're putting into the companies. Um, and then to give you an idea of how many companies we look at at any given time, um, I'd say across the uh, investment team, we're probably looking at maybe 25 deals in at a time. And um, over the year, that's 4,000 deals. So quite a few. So, so it actually <laughs> leads me very, very nicely onto my next question is, is your, your job title is that as a, of an investor, um, mm. which, which, you know, you can read a lot into. Um, what, what's, what's your average day? You know, what, what do you do when you get up in the morning to, to finish in closing the laptop down if you ever get the chance to close your laptop in today? <laughs> um, to be honest, a lot of meetings and lately a lot of Zoom. <laughs> so um, I'd say on a good week, I'm looking at, I'm taking six first meetings a week. Um, in between that, there's a ton of research on, you know, uh, those markets, those competitors. I'm trying to convince myself whether this is a, a company worth pursuing or otherwise. Um, as a VC, and I'm sure as many other people as also, also um, you're trying to make your time as efficient as possible. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so I'd say it's split split between deal sourcing, um, portfolio management, and then more general responsibilities, um, yeah. and just meetings between founders, portfolio founders, other VCs, internal meetings. Um, yeah, you, you 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 sort of hinted there at the amount of time you you sort of spent on Zoom, which I think we all have probably far too much in the last sort of nine months. <laughs> um, there's been you know the case that lots of people while they've been at home have been a bit more creative perhaps than they've been in the past. Um, do you think coronaviruses? You know, you've seen more slide decks because you've got more people trying to be innovative and create new businesses. Is that you know, have you seen um, that come through, or is is that more just headline news? It's hard to say. I'd say um, at the beginning of the first lockdown, there was definitely a surge in applications to our website. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people were furloughed, but fortunately, they gave them some time to work on some of their side hustles and really figure out what they were passionate about. Um, so we did see a surge in applications at the beginning of lockdown. I'd say that tapered off a little bit by the end of it, but that could be also due to sort of a seasonal low in August. Yeah. Um, so I'm not quite sure. Um, and then now it just seems to normalize a little bit. Ah, okay. Yeah. okay. It, it, it's interesting because obviously it affects all of us and we would like to know what happens in sort of different industries. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we did, you know, in, in the previous seminar with James and one thing I'm, you know, ho hopefully you can sort of add to is, is this sort of understanding that in, if I own my own business, there's obviously plenty of opportunities for me to um, find investment. Um, one of the, the things that you know, James was particularly keen on, I know I've spoken to other people, is, is it's not a case of just finding investment. It's a case of a good fit. H how does that work, you know, forward partners? You know, it, how do you work out what a good fit is for you and for the investor? Sorry, and for the business owner. Um. Okay, sorry. So the question is, how do we how do we figure out if a company is a good fit for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are every fund will have sector focuses. Uh, sorry, not sector focuses. Some sort of investment mandate that might be a sector focus, that might be a stage focus. Um, most will have both. Um, so for us, it's anything pre-Series A, and our sector focuses are applied AI, marketplaces, and e-commerce. Um, we're fairly industry agnostic, but companies will, funds will also have preferences or tend to shy away from certain areas. I think a lot, will, a lot of people would say hardware or offline businesses or something that you tend to shy away from. 
um, they can get quite complex and, and, and margins can get stretched thin easily with hardware businesses. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't like to close doors to any businesses mm. that, you know, don't fit within those um, sectors, but there are definitely three areas that I'd say um, are important to us, which is the market size, the um, team, and then the product probably in that order. Perfect. That's great. We, we've got a couple of questions coming through on the chat now. Sure. So um, Umar asks, I've heard before that clothing lifestyle brands wouldn't typically get funding from investors, yet companies like Outdoor Voices have managed this. What are the factors that would influence investment for startup clothing lifestyle brands? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say so. We have a few investments in this space. We've invested in threads. We've invested in spoke. Um, I think people tend to shy away from physical goods um, just because you have to deal with um, manufacturing and suppliers and delivery and logistics and then margins can get stretched kind of thin and you're really looking at your unit economics there. So make sure you're on top of all of those things and it might be helpful to even go to a fund that specializes in e-commerce or consumer. Like a lot of people, the last fund that I was at, we wouldn't touch any consumer. Um, that's just because consumers are a bit fickle. You know, you like one thing and then you don't like it anymore and you return it and, and all these yeah. things. So, um, so you know, forward be invested in e-commerce, but we're also a little bit wary of, of sort of D2C and that type of model. Um, again, because consumers are less predictable than, than, it, yeah. than you know, B2B enterprise type deal. Um, that's not to say that there aren't people who won't invest in it. I, I'd, I'd say just kind of do your homework and make sure you're going after the right investor because those who, who know what they are, are doing and they have domain, domain expertise will be able to pick out the winners quite easily. Perfect, which kind of leads me on to my next question and um, uh, slightly, slightly what Erin was asking as well. Um, as a business owner, if I'm looking for an investor, how do I find, how do I get my pitch deck uh, to you? Um, how, how do I find investors like yourself? Um, and then if you've got a pile of slide decks on your desk or more likely in your outlook at the moment, what makes one stand out more than the other was Erin's question. Um, okay, so for the first one, I would say that um, office hours is so for us specifically, um, we hold office hours once a month, and that is 20 minute meetings with someone on the investment team. Um, since 2018, so we've been running it for about six years, and we were one of the first to do it. And now there's a number of other pre seed company pre seed funds that do that. And it's a great way, a um, it's, it's a great way to get, cause you'll, you'll, everyone will have heard that you need a warm intro, but that's just not realistic for a lot of people. Like a lot of people don't have the ability to get a warm introduction to a VC. Um, so office hours is a great way of sort of breaking down that barrier. And then it's also a great way of, for us to reach, um, you know, more diverse, a, a diverse background of founders, people who might not have access to um, VCs. And, and um, frankly, now that everything is virtual, we can meet people that are all over, not just, not just those who live in and around London. Um, so those are 20 minute meetings with someone from the investment team. Um, since 2018, we've seen 4,000 companies apply to office hours. Um, and we, on average, we're seeing about 120 applications come through a month and we take in roughly 20 meetings. Uh, per month. So that, that's a great way to, to get a quick session with us. Um, also, if you apply directly on our website, if you're a seed company, um, we do respond. We, we read and respond ev to every single application that comes through, which um, I can tell you is not, not very common in the VC world. Um, so yeah, going back to your question about my day-to-day, -day, there's a good chunk that goes through um, going through those applications, which is fun actually for me. Um, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because obviously it's, it's, you're obviously time constrained and, you know, you've obviously got a finite pot that you're, you're looking for these companies. So if the investors manage to find you, first of all, well done, they've got, you know, they managed to get in front of you for those 20 minutes. Um, it's sort of the next step is if I'm meeting you face to face, again, what, what is it that helps me stand out? So, um, so I'm going to go back to that market team and product. Um, so, and, and on the flip side, actually, what's interesting is that when I looked at all the office hours applications that we, that we went through and sort of passed on the top three reasons for 
passing on an office hours application in this order was product vision, market size and competition. And those three reasons out of the 10 or 12 or so accounted for 77% of the reasons we passed on those like 10,000s of applications that we've seen. So then going back to your question, what, what matters most to us is market size. Um, and that market size meaning, is it large enough? And for us, that means 1 billion in the UK. Um, is it large enough? If it's crowded, you know, do you, are you differentiated enough from the incumbents and from the other well-funded companies that you can um, get enough share of the pie? And if it's not crowded, make sure it's large enough because if it's not crowded, you know, what are we missing? Why are other people not um, innovating in this space yet? How big is that opportunity? Is it growing fast? And um, are there specific trends right now that are saying that, you know, that right now is the time? So that's market size. The second one that's most important is team. Um, you can have a great market, you can have a large market with a great opportunity, you can have a terrific product. And if you don't have the team to execute, then you know nothing's gonna come of the company. So build a great team around you and explain to us, you know, what what your what your unique advantage is, what unique advantage do you and your founding team have that other people don't? And why are you poised to win essentially? Uh, that can be domain expertise, academic um, uh, academic expertise. It could be a whole a whole lot of things. It could be the IP you've built, um, your your network. Uh, there's tons of things. You don't have to have gone to you know Oxford or Cambridge to say I have a I'm a great um, founder. There's mm -hmm. tons of ways to to look at that. Um, and then the third one, which I think most people might have thought were first, was is is actually is the product. Um, yeah, if you have a, if you find a really interesting, believe it or not, if you find a really interesting opportunity and you are a, you know, class A founder who can really execute, you could probably sell a good product that isn't much of a product. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's good advice, but no. uh, it, it's, it's the fact, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and so product is kind of third. Obviously, we're looking to invest in great products, but um, I'd say that that's the reason that it's the order. So in the product, you're looking at competition, you know, What's your differentiator? Why are you poised to win? What, like, do you have any IP around it? Um, just the, yeah, general. So, so my next question was actually going to be, is there anything I shouldn't do or definitely shouldn't do? So I suppose is, is to make sure I'm ticking these boxes that you're asking for is number one. Um, is there anything else particularly that you see people come in with that's an immediate turnoff or, or is it, you know, you're prepared to look through because you understand what some of these people these, these business owners may not have been in this position before. So, so you have to be sort of forgiving on certain areas. Um, I try not to dwell on negatives. If I were to give advice, I'd say, um, so if I was specifically looking at the deck, some, sometimes you'll get an eye roll out of me if the market size says like a trillion, trillion pounds. It's like, okay, you're not, you know, maybe, but probably be realistic. You know, it's, it's pre-seed. Um, there's a very fine balance when you look at any part of the business between, you know, realistic and, and optimistic. And um, I think market size is one that everybody here is, oh, investors care about market size, investors care about market size. But if you go too, too large, it's kind of, it's, it's just a bit unrealistic. Um, and then I'd say, uh, it's not a must not, but maybe a piece of advice is, is um, just to do your research on the fund. Um, uh, a lot of times you'll see, you know, if you're at the pre-seed or seed stage, there's no, you don't need to go out and um, reach out to series B investors when you're raising a seed round. Um, pe people are busy um, and it's, it's not, it's not appreciated that, uh, that mentality of why not, it can't hurt. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like if you played it right, a lot of series A funds, and investors are open to having conversations sort of early and, and nurturing that relationship. Um, and put, they could potentially be an investor at your next round, but, yeah. but uh, be smart about it kind of thing. Um, we, we've got quite a few questions have just come through. So <laughs> Shadia, sorry if I've pronounced your name wrong. Uh, what kind of business uh, startups do you invest in? Is it only fashion? I think we covered uh, no. that one. You yeah, covered... no, we, um, Siri, uh, sorry. Applied AI, marketplaces, e-commerce, fairly industry agnostic, try not to touch hardware, try not to touch um, sort of offline businesses. Uh, do you consider startups that are pre-revenue? Yep, yeah, yeah, we'll invest day zero. Perfect. Um, Benedict asks, how do you describe the journey from when Forward Partners commits to funding a startup 
duration, closeness of relationship, which is pretty similar to some of my next questions. So thanks for that, Benedict. <laughs> um, so post funding, sorry, I'm just reading. So, so his question is, is sort of your whole, the relationship with the investor is how, you know, how long do you know it's going to be? How close are you working? Yeah, um, I'd say, I'd say we're like very active investors. Um, most investors will, some of them are just check. Some of them are checking some board support. Some of them, you know, check board support, business expertise. Lot, lots of funds are from, lots of uh, partners will be operators themselves, which is the best kind of advice you can get because those people have have domain expertise. They've built big businesses in the past and they've, they've been in your shoes at some point. And so that's the type of advice you want to get. Um, and that's great. And some funds will offer, um, uh recruitment um support i mean the last fund i was at we used to joke that we were a, a headhunter essentially <laughs> um but forward kind of uh without tooting our own horn kind of does it all so we offer um for our pre-seed companies we offer free office space to sit in house with us and the idea there is we want you to use our studio team as you build they help you build the product they help you launch the product and then they help you grow um and then as you um sort of grow from our forward rings and get your own um office space, you, our seed companies tend to use us more on a project by project basis. So mm -hmm. Patch, for example, is a um, D2C um, plant delivery company, um, and they grew enormously over the first lockdown because everybody was working from home. They thought, you know, I'm going to get some plants, make the place all nice. Um, and they were just going, growing like too quick for their for the team that they had on board so a lot of our, a few of our developers joined on board and and started building out some of the web apps and stuff like that um and so we're really there for not just the i guess business expertise and board support and and um you know checks that we write um we're also <laughs> there to to support you um from a product standpoint yeah. marketing I think, standpoint yeah. i think that's a really good example of what you said before which is you consider yourself to be not an accelerator, but the ability to help them in the way an accelerator can as well. So it's not, it's more of a holistic approach, everything under one roof almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've now got um, a few more questions. Stephen asks, um, do, do, how do you work out valuations? Um, you know, is there a particular way um, or, or is it that there's more to it than than just um spreadsheets i suppose is probably his answer there and will you invest in pre-seed with other sei seis angels is there a, a blend of investors that you look for i suppose is that question uh okay the latter question is easy for me yeah. to answer um that's easy so we um are not an seis eis fund we have one investor and that's blackrock and so we don't have any angels within our fund um, we are happy to, I mean, we, we typically invest alongside angels at, pre, at the pre-seed stage um, and in the seed stage. Uh, we lead, we syndicate, we, um, we do all of that. So um, yes to that question. And then the former question, um, what was that one? Valuations. Um, yeah, valuations. Yeah. Um, so we, <laughs> we could be here all day, but I'll, I'll yeah. keep it short and simple. <laughs> Um, so there are multiple ways of value, valuing a company. Um, at the Series A sort of early stage, you're looking at, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, it's a revenue multiple, it could be comparables, it could be market multiples, it could be a discounted cash flow. Um, when you're at sort of growth stage and later, a lot of the valuation has a lot to do with um, your cash flow, mm. how you historicals, how you've been performing and what that would look like in the future. Um, at the Series A stage, it's a little bit more, um, you know, do you have IP? What kind of founders are you backing? Are you a repeat entrepreneur? Um, all these things that come into play when you only have, you know, sub, sub 1 million um, in ARR. Um, now, when you look at us, we're at the pre-seed stage and the seed stage where you're pre-revenue, potentially pre-product. There isn't, there really isn't any data that we can go off of. So it's really difficult. So, um, sorry, the really boring and true answer is it's actually a math equation of, we want to make sure if we're investing X amount, we're, we're getting a percentage um, that that makes sense for our time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a hard question to ask over a webinar. And I yeah. imagine if I was a business owner, it's it's something I need to be wary of going into you is, is that you know, I think you said before, if your market's worth a trillion or you're overvaluing your business, there probably needs to be some sort of work 
you know, go, go going into that before coming into you so that, again, it comes back to that realistic, you know, that, yeah. that pitch deck that actually gives a bit of realism to both you and your industry. Yeah, I'd say maybe something that's helpful worth noting is like anything worth under 10% is just not really worth our time. I mean, we have eight to 10 investments to make a year. And if we own less than 10, it's just not really worth our time. Um, Pre-seed and seed funds are probably looking anywhere between 15 and sort of 25, 30%. Um, Benedict then asks again, thank you for your questions, Benedict. Uh, do you usually give um, feedback um, when you pass, um, even when you pass on them to president during office hours? Basically, do you give feedback on people who present to you? Uh, yes. Um, and I hope that most investors do. And if they don't, you should, after, if you've had a meeting with them, it's like certainly okay to ask um, for more feedback. They should be willing to help. Um, for our office hours companies that apply, uh, you get a little one-liner of, of the main reason we passed. I'm sorry, that's the best we could do. Lots of people don't respond. <laughs> no, that's good though. And uh, again, uh, you know, from my little knowledge of it, just because you've been rejected uh, one you know, part of your business evolution doesn't mean you'll be rejected later on. So having that knowledge and any sort of feedback will only help your business in the long run. Exactly. So so um, why wouldn't you, you know, at least go and ask for it? Um Stephen then asks, um, talking about the team of the business that you know has come in, do you invest in sole founders with a team behind them as opposed to um, a founding team of two or three members? Um, yeah, we have no preference. We've invested in sole found solo founders, two, three. Robin asked a very similar question. What is the importance of having a co-founder? I suppose the importance is probably a slightly different question. Is, there a, is it harder for individuals? Uh, do you find that people who sole founders have a harder time than a team of people or co-founders? Is there a, um, you know, that team aspect, does it help? So this is just a gut feel, but um, I'd imagine it is a lot harder as a solo mm. founder. That doesn't mean go out and find one. I think if you are investing in, if we are investing in a solo founder, I mean, we're a tech fund. I'd, I'd imagine that that mm. solo founder would have to be technical mm. or have brought somebody in as a CTO or whatnot that is technical and can speak to that side of the business. It's, um, it's sorry, an isolating, just, yeah, go ahead. I, th I think it's, a, it's an important question, but also I think it's sort of, emphasizes the importance of picking the likes of forward partners or someone who's a very good investor around you. So it's not just the founders that's your team, it's it's your advisors around the team. Um, and that's, that's you know, anyone you bring on in any capacity to, to help you, whether it's someone helping out with your website or, you know, something on those lines. It's, it's a bit more than just founders, I think, is probably yeah. sort of my take on that. It's, it's, it's a team of advisors as much as it's a team of founders. Yeah, um, exactly. And um, especially at the pre-seed stage, I think one of our portfolio founders referred to us almost like a co-founder, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? And the, the businesses that you see succeed, it's it doesn't matter how many people started with the initial idea. You know, is, is Gymshark's the obvious sort of example. He, he created a billion pound business on the fact of knowing his limitations and allowing people who were better than him to do the things they were better than him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Um, we've got what's the best way to build a team? Do you, do you recommend? Is there? A, do you recommend if there's a best way to build a team? Or, um, sorry, Anna, I hope mm. that's what you meant by that. I'm not sure. I have any insights on that, to be honest. Um, it's hard at the pre-seed stage when you haven't really when when you know. I mean, at least you, if you know your gaps, that's one start. But um, to be honest, I don't really have further insights there. I mean, there's companies like EF and and Antler who will set you up with a co-founder. Um, but that's the best I can offer. So, uh, Jean asks, um, what are investors looking for when investing in a startup and what equity did the investors usually expect in return? It's quite a hard question to answer without any sort of depth of information behind it, I'm afraid. Um, but, but what equity do you typically expect? Is it based on the return that you can potentially receive? Uh, and what are investors looking for when investing in a startup? Um, so what equity I'd say pre-seed stage is kind of 20, 30% seed stage. Yeah. Pre-seed and seed is kind of anywhere between, um, I want to say like 15, 25, give or take 5%. And then series A, like at least 10% for sure. Kind of 20% is, is a target. Um, and 
you know, uh, keep in mind, like investors will probably get diluted as you continue to raise more and more funds. So um, that's why we'll, we look for such a big chunk at the beginning. Um, and then in terms of what we look for, um, just again, going back to market team product, those are the three common denominators for sure in any good company. Well, I'm glad to say we've still got plenty of questions coming through. Um, so so um, first one from Jamie, have you got any uh, space left at office hours on Thursday? <laughs> I'm here, uh, uh, sorry. Um, no, Thursday is full, but the next one is December 11th, I think. And it'll be updated after this Thursday's um, but yeah, keep the applications coming. I will get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> Every uh, Monday afternoons actually is when I go through them. So <laughs> so there you are, there's your target. Um, do you invest in app startups in the online dating sector? That's quite specific. And is sustainable fashion something your company is interested in investing in? Um, dating sector, we tend to, I mean, it's not a hard no, but we're a bit wary of that sector. Um, and then on uh, sustainable fashion, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm interested in anything that's um, sustainable, uh, sort of closed circle um, fashion startups. We've seen a number of those come through our doors. I think what, like, um, having said that, there have been a number come through our doors. So there's got to be a real differentiator there. And mm. um, if you can't prove traction at the pre-seed stage, there's you've, there's got to be some way you can prove um, demand. Yep. Um what is the percentage of investments made into pre-revenue companies and what do you need to see to invest in a pre-revenue, low-revenue company? I think you covered that second part already on the size of the market was, was a big part of that. Yeah, so pre-seed, um, pre well, pre-seed check sizes are between 200 and 500K and then seed check sizes between 500 and 2 million. There we go, I hope that answers your question, Peter. Um, after the 20 minute office hours, um, what would be the next steps for a business you are interested in? What is the turnaround time like? Um, so after office hours, that later that afternoon, the investment team will get together. We'll discuss the founders that we met over that afternoon. Um, and if we're interested, we might ask you to send over a deck um, and we'll book you in for a proper one hour meeting. Uh, and then you would just enter the pipeline. Perfect. Um, is there an amount of money you expect a founder to have been uh, to have committed personally? Is is that an oh, no. important factor? No, no. no. Uh, another one from Stephen. Uh, how long does it take from initial interest to having the funds available? <laughs> I want the money now. I know. Um, yeah. We're all... <laughs> um, so typical. So. Our typical process is three main meetings. So the one with the lead investor, the second one with um, Matt Bradley, who's the head of our investment team or partner of our investment team. And then the third one with Nick Brisburn, who's our managing partner. Um, in between those meetings, we, and most VC firms will have, um, you know, the Monday morning meetings. Um, and that's where we discuss all the deals. Um, so it'll go meeting, it'll go, sorry, first meeting, and then you discuss with the rest of the team, second meeting with Matt, discuss with the rest of the team, third meeting with Nick, discuss with the rest of the team. And if there's still interest on both ends, we try and get to terms within about 30 days from the first meeting to terms. Um, so yeah, thir 30 days is, is quite quick. I've, I've seen yeah. other VC firms do about th three months. So. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, I, know I can, I can uh, confirm that. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Vered asks, um, again, apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly. Um, if I have a great product, great marketplace, but no team, uh, what should I do? So, so I suppose this is the stage if we talked about having that team together eventually, whether it's just founders and people within the business and then the advisors on top, um, if we're going sort of um, going back in time and starting from scratch, how, how, how would you recommend people build that team out and the, the advisors as well? Um... So on the advisor side, I, I'm not sure I can uh, comment on that one. I mean, obviously it has a lot to do with networking and outreach. And if there's people in the industry that, you know, you really look up to, um, it's it's worth just cold, cold emailing them and reaching out. And if it's a great idea and, and they, you know, believe in you and the pitch that you're offering, um, who knows, they might be willing to help and even offer a phone call and maybe that will 
bloom into an advisor <laughs> relationship. Um, in terms of the team, um, I wouldn't say that you necessarily need a team around you going into, you know, looking for investment, like lots of the time when you are, are looking to raise funds, like a big chunk of those funds are going to raise it or going to hiring a team. Um, now, I, I would say though, that uh, if you feel like it's a co-founder that you're missing, like you're a non-technical founder and you want a technical founder on board and, and there are some big gaps that you see in order to get you from, you know, get it over the hurdle to, to um, a viable investment, uh, then, it, then it might be worth having a look at, at um, who might be a great fit as a, as a co-founder, but I, I don't think you need to build a team. Actually, you certainly don't need to build a team in order to go out for funding. Usually that's what the fundraiser is for. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that because I, I deal with plenty of advisors and investors myself and um, go and find the people you want to work with. You know, what's wrong with asking them? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, if they say no, they say no. Well, why wouldn't you, um, you know, if you find someone you think is a good fit for you, um, then, then put yourself and give yourself the best chance you can to, to get them on board. If you, especially, you know, if you if you're at an early stage and they could ask kudos to when you do go to actually a pitch day. Um, Afan, nope, the chat's working absolutely fine for me, so um, I can see what you're writing. Don't worry about that. Uh, um, Anna asks quite simply, if I want to, you know, hopefully meet up with you on one of these days, how do I initially contact you? Uh, so I'm at Katie at K-A-T-I-E at forwardpartners.com. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Office yeah. Hours is also a great way to get in touch with our team. Um, then we've got, uh, do we need a super duper robust business model or is a, <laughs> that'd be very nice, uh, very rare, I imagine, <laughs> or a projected idea good enough? <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you're sort of pre-product, um, pre-revenue. Pre um, well, I, don't, I don't know what's super duper robust <laughs> and what's super robust, but I think, you know, I, you need I, a solid I, business model. It needs to make sense. Is, I would, to... I'd, I'd be unsure if there is such a thing as a super duper robust <laughs> business model myself, yeah. but um, good, good luck if you can find one. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'd all appreciate this. <laughs> Um, what I'm going to yeah, do now I'm, is I'm just going to leave the, the chat for a while and just come back to some of my questions just to hopefully sure. sort of continue continue the story. Um, but keep putting the questions in. We'll, we'll come back, uh, you know, as long as we've got time. Um, one of the other questions that constantly gets asked is how much should I be raising for? So, you know, a, a big number can be scary, but if you're planning, you know, it's a three-year project, is, is that a problem? Um, equally, if I'm if I'm coming to you for investment and I'm proposing a number, however big that may be, but actually it only covers year one, um, is, is that a lack of foresight on my part? Um, so I'd say, well, it's obviously highly subjective to the mm. company that's raising. Um, I, I'd say if you, I don't know, I would I would have said if you can never raise too much, especially at the early stage, because you're always going to need to raise more. Um, though I'd be careful about how much equity you're, you're going to give away. Um, and I don't know, the way you phrased it, it's like an enormous, an yeah. enormous amount could be, um, could turn you off a bit, but as long as you have the the data to back why you need to raise that much, like that you can't just, you know, put a finger in the air and figure out, okay, I want to raise 2 million pounds. Like you, there has to be some backing towards it. We have to know how much one way that's giving you, say it gives you, it should give you at least 12 months runway. So say 12 to 18, 12 to 24 months runway at the end of that runway, like where do you plan the, where does the business, where do you think the business is going to be? Are you going to be at a million in ARR? Are you going to have a hundred customers? Are you can have a thousand customers. How, what's your burn rate? The, it, it should be backed with data, even if it doesn't work out that way. Like there should be a, a reason to the, to the amount you're raising. Um, and then I'd say if you're raising regarding like raising too little, um, th that shouldn't be a problem. Like the VC that you're working with will, will probably tell you if, if they think you aren't raising enough, um, again, you should be raising at least 12 months. Like you, like we don't want you to, and you shouldn't want to waste your time fundraising. Like fundraising can be a six month game. Um, and you know, you're, you're the CEO of your company, you're, early stage. So you're probably also the salesperson and the product person and the marketing <laughs> person. So we want you to get back to your business. We don't want you wasting your time continuously 
raising money. Um, and so if we're interested in investing and we think you're raising too little, like we'll probably either suggest we invest more or suggest we bring in somebody else to syndicate along us, alongside us. No, that's, uh, I think that's good, 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 good. Thank you for that, Katie. Um, uh, Emily asks, um, do you expect a rough percentage increase uh, and over roughly how many years? Is, is there a sort of percentage per year you, you expect? I think you mentioned this at the start, um, broadly speaking. What, what sort of returns do you expect from a business, I suppose? So what returns? Uh, so percentage-wise, like that should... Um, invest if you have pro rata rights or invest the investors on your cap table will have the option to invest up to so say we own 15 percent of the business and you're raising your next series a round um, if we don't invest the new investors will dilute our percentage so we'll have less than 15 percent but if we have pro rata rights we should have the option to invest um, whatever amount gets allows us to keep that 15 percent yeah. Um, so that answers the first part of the question. The second part of the question is what returns. Um, so this, uh, uh, this is actually really important. A lot of people don't know it. Um, a lot of people know that venture VCs want 10, per, sorry, VCs want to 10 X their investment, but they don't understand why. And it's a big reason to why market size matters so much. So we want to 10 X our, our investment because in a typical fund, 20% of your portfolio will make back 80% of your entire returns. Um, so we need, we need a winner. We need to make sure that we're investing in somebody that can make back the entire fund. Um, so for us, for example, if our fund is, it is 60 million pounds, um, if we own 10% of your business, we'd need to see you exit your company for 600 million pounds. Um, for us to make our fund back. So every time we look at a business, we're thinking, can this be can this exit for 600 million pounds? And if it's not, if it can't, then it's it's one that we can't take too seriously in terms of an investment. Perfect. Thank you. Afan, um, thanks for your question. Uh, one of the ways, um, and it gives me a chance to plug the board you can't afford that I work on with the Fashion Network. Um, if you send your slide deck um, or contact Dale at the Fashion Network, we run um, a sort of advisor slash investment days um, and you know we're happy to speak to anybody um, and, and we try and build boards that hopefully if don't get investment at least they will provide you with advice to get investment in the future so um, that's probably a good starting point is to contact Dale and then anything over and above and beyond that you know we can help you with uh, from then on so sorry if I missed your question before as well um what if you have to train people to get onto your team well i think that you i mean know, I, ideally you yeah ideally you want someone who plugs the gaps um yeah you, yeah. you if we're looking for those returns and you get bringing investors on board um it's all about the time frames i suppose that you agree with your investors rather than um you know you can't obviously be starting from scratch in some areas um steven i think you may have said this already uh, pre-seed stage percentages you mentioned what's the average amount of investment uh between 200 and 500k for pre-seed and 502 million for seed <laughs> is it possible to repeat your email don't worry erin <laughs> we'll cover all that off again at the, at the end um oh here's one from josh hi josh um what company in your portfolio are you most excited about right now and why that's a good one Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, no, yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit of an unfair question that because that's to prioritize their investments, and I'm sure they're all fantastic and they're all going to do really well. Exactly. <laughs> what so, Matt so said. We'll, yeah, um, we'll leave that one there. I'm not gonna. I can't ask you to answer that, Katie. Sorry, I'm reading them as they come through, as I'm sure you'll appreciate. Okay. So, um, lay up. Thanks for that, Dale. Um, someone who is not business minded but has a business model, will you assist and help in all aspects of the business? Um, quite an open question that Tabassum. Um, um, I don't know. I think, That's a tough one. Um, I think it comes back to if you look at the sort of accelerator models out there is it's a case of understanding where you are in sort of your evolution. Um, people will happily help you out when they can and in the right way, as long as they know that, you know, you know where the, the gaps are. So um, yeah, it's quite it's quite I'd, an open question that. 
I'd, I'd say uh, so what we do actually this is this might be it's, it's an internal process that we do but when we are evaluating a company we do actually score founders on a matrix um and that's two matrix two matrices one is on per inter uh, sort of personality um and then the other one is on skill set and so skill set there's obviously you know how technical are they how's their their network and and how what's their entrep entrepreneurial flair is one of them business mindset growth mindset and then the personality it's like just as important it's things like you know um are you willing to how are can you have hot, hard conversations um confidence uh there's a whole there's a whole range of them um but that just goes to show that it's not one or two things that matter it's not like yeah. okay that guy can code um or you know she's run a business in the past there's a few things um and so i'd say you know if we were to invest in you absolutely we would help out with um absolutely we'd help out with those aspects of the business but um first you got to get yourself into the door um and get an investment from us and then at that point of, of course we're absolutely happy to help with everything um peter asks uh, what makes a market size investable enough it's, it's quite subjective and industry specific i imagine but yeah um do you prefer a bottom-up approach to calculating market size uh, yeah, I think like top down and bottom up, but I'd take the bottom up one a little bit more seriously, but you know, it's still, it's still a large speculation as long as you can get to a mil, uh, 1 billion pounds in the UK. Um, it's, it's worth a chat, I'd say. A uh, question from Benedict about exits. Uh, do you, do you prefer to fund companies with a projected exit in three to five years? Or is uh, I wouldn't say a preference, um, you know, we invest at the very early stages. Sometimes we're incorporating companies, so it's hard to say. You know, you have to exit within three years. Um, I think that's like almost quite unreasonable. Um, but it, it is worth noting that most fund structures have a ten-year vintage, meaning they have ten years to exit the companies in their and liquidate the companies in their portfolio. So um, that's actually a good question to ask investors. Is is um, just asking them, you know, where are you in your fund's life cycle? If you're in year one out of 10, then you've got nine years to exit. If you're in, you know, year eight out of 10, then you've got two years to take that investment and then exit for your investors. Um, so that's that's an important question that you could ask your investors, potential investors. It is a nice one. You've had some testing ones. How did you become an investor? How did you get into your current role? <laughs> um, I was... Yeah, I don't know. Is it um, there's not a ton of in it, it not there's not a ton of venture capital firms in Canada. Um, Vantage Capital's 300 million assets under management. We're one of the we are the largest. They are the largest um, VC firm in Western Canada. Um, and they actually started out as a gaming fund. I I, uh, I I don't know. It was less it was less competitive then. I don't know if I'm doing myself a disservice by saying that, I'm but sure it was less are. competitive then. <laughs> And uh, I just joined out of interest. I've always had an interest in tech and, and passion for everything that's going on around the tech world and things were picking up. At, at that time, I was still explaining to people what VC was when they asked what I did. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah. That's um, interesting. Thank you for that. Um, uh, office space, additional assistance, resources, are these part of the investment or an additional cost build? Uh, free office space to precede founders, although I'm not sure how that will pan out going forward, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, just to clarify, so the studio team, the operational support that we offer, that is priced out of um, its per head per day. And that's not priced out of equity. It's just because everybody's needs, every company's needs differ from one another and they differ, you know, even on the day to day, you might need a designer for a week, but you probably don't need a designer full time for, you know, however long. Um, so that is per head per day. And it's the, the cost is the price is heavily subsidized by our fund. Um, we're not looking to, you know, <laughs> make money off of our founders, <laughs> have like a whole side business yeah. of, of overcharging <laughs> our founders. That's not really the idea. The idea is to, to bring together, um, a whole load of like really talented people who've built tons of products before um, and give them access to free seed founders who might not have access to top talent, whether that's because of their network or because you know they might have not have the um, funds for it. So we're really trying to, in a way, democratize that access to our portfolio. Um, 
and do, do you invest in countries out, uh, companies outside of the UK? Unfortunately, not only in the UK. And that's just because we work so closely with our companies. So it makes sense for us to be physically close to them. Um, I don't know. Oh, here we go. So must the entire team be full-time or is it accepted if the main founder is full-time on the startup? Um, no, for us, it doesn't matter. I mean, pre-seed stage, sometimes we're investing in companies that um, or in founders who are still full-time. Obviously, once we invest in you, you should be full-time. <laughs> <laughs> um, question from Stephen. Um, obviously, if you're trying to build that sort of accelerator vibe with all the companies you've got, uh, do you network your founders? You know, do, do, do they get on well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a forward and friends Slack channel. Um, and so, yeah, we try and connect the founders with one another. It's, it's a bit of a startup vibe in the office when the office is open, which is nice. And it's a change from sort of corporate uh, type of VC style um, environments. And um, yeah, we try and open up our networks as, as often as we can. Um, Nico asks uh, sort of on that companies outside of the UK, similar sort of thing. Uh, if the company's UK based, but the owners are living elsewhere, so yeah, actually, yeah, it's good for me to clarify. Um, so we are looking to invest in companies who ha have at least, you know, some of their management in the UK. Um, we want, we work closely with our founders, so we want to be physically close to them. Um, it's a little bit flexible, but it's definitely preferred that the headquarters and management are in the UK. Um, and, and do you still have relationships with um, those companies that you have exited? You know, do, once they've gone, yeah. you know, you're still in touch with them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, VC is, is obviously a long game and, and um, you should, we are all looking to have longstanding relationships with our um, founders. And I think best case scenario is, is you go off, exit and, you know, start another company with us in mind <laughs> as your next first investor. Um, but yeah, I think it would be an absolute shame if, if um, you went through all of that together and didn't have a good longstanding relationship. So yeah, absolutely looking to stay in close contact with our founders. Uh, question from Emily. Um, what do you find the best approach to the founder's salary within the investment? What, what, how should a business owner consider their salary in relation to the investment they receive? Um, that's an interesting one. Um, maybe a bit of a touchy one. I think I can't really <laughs> give a straight answer, but it should absolutely be like an understanding between you and the investor. Like, no, well, I hope no investor is like super evil, um, but we're also not looking for our investment to go directly into your pockets. So um, there's there's like a fine balance and you should be able to openly have that conversation with um, investors. One anecdote is I think it's um, founders get paid a little bit better here than uh, what I was used to seeing in Canada. I don't know if that's just from the pipeline that I saw, but um, it like absolutely your investor should be open to it. Um, another question is, um, if I come and see you on those pitch days and we manage to get to the stage where we have a, a sort of a more in-depth conversation, what questions should I ask you? Um, so asking where you are in a fund's life cycle is an interesting one. Um, uh, I don't know, honestly, like take that chance to, to pitch us. Um, you know, good companies will have lots of, lots of, hopefully lots of term sheets. And so a lot of the times with really good companies, we're off, we're having to tables, <laughs> the tables are turned and we're having to pitch you why you should take our money. Um, you know, it's not often that we're begging you to take our money, <laughs> but it happens. Um, it happens. And um, it's, it's good to know that you, you're interested in taking smart capital instead of just taking any blank check. Um, so ask us what we can do for you. What doors can we open? What can we offer you that other VCs can't offer you? Um, and just really give us that chance to, to tell you why you should take our yeah. money. It's important, isn't it? Because it's a sales pitch both ways, essentially. You know, is it, if, if your mm -hmm. business is a very good one and you end up with multiple um, options, if you're fortunate enough to be in that position, you want to know that your box is being ticked as well. So yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you don't get very often, you, you, you're going to get few opportunities to ask those questions before you agree. So, um, yeah. you know, just take, take, take advantage where you can. 
Um, good question from Adasola. Um, there's a disproportionate amount of startups in London. Um, does Forward actively work actively on a pipeline outside of London? Um, you know, and, and well, that's yeah. a question really. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we flagged earlier on this year. Um, and I was just getting our, our, <laughs> our, um, I was just getting our remote, not remote, it was kind of like on the road office hours, I was going to come out to Manchester, I was going to do a great good tour, which is, which would have been great, because I haven't made it out to London since outside of London since I moved here. Um, but obviously, COVID hit and disrupted that amongst many other things. Um, but the good thing is that now with office hours, we actually can hold those meetings. And there's, I've just started to track um, where our applications are coming from because it's really interesting to see um, the the spread across across the UK. Um, we were definitely, it was absolutely something we flagged before as 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 uh, an issue that we were only seeing disproportionately seeing London-based companies. But um, now that everything's remote, it's it's picking up, which is great. Mm. Yeah, um, and hopefully as a proud Mancunian, that, that will include us. <laughs> um, question from Jean, which I suppose is looking at things from a slightly different view. Um, obviously, we want every company that we invest in to be extremely successful. Um, some of them won't be. Um, mm -hmm. um, how do you take back the funded money? It's what uh... she's put. It's... We don't. <laughs> that is the risk of the business that we're in. Um, I mean, I could go into more detail. I mean, mm -hmm. you could sell your, any shareholder can sell their um, shares in, in secondary sales um, for, you know, for a certain price at the end of the day, like everything has its price. Um, you can't, there's, if there is an exit, there's, um, depending on how the cap table looks, there's some shares that sit on top of the pre preference stack and so some people might get paid out while others might not um there's just some nuances to it but at the end of the day you know it's the business that we're in and that's why yeah. earlier i was saying that only roughly 20 percent of a fund 20 percent of your portfolio companies will make back 80 percent of the entire fund um and so yeah there are some winners and there are some non-winners <laughs> Uh, and that's that's the investment game, I'm afraid, Gene, is, is you, you accept the risk when you go into it. And likewise, you know, that there's no guarantees on either, for, for either party. They're, they're not the answer to everything that you're going to ask of them. Um, and likewise, they're not expecting you um, to have every answer and, and be the complete package on day one. And, and they'll understand that, you know, anyone who comes to them may not be successful, no matter how good they are. It may be out of their control. Um, good question from Imran. Do, do you approach companies? Um, and if you do, um, what, what's the ratio of pitches you get that you go and ask for, I suppose, is did you go and um, actively, proactively um, search for companies that fit your criteria um, or, yeah. or are they mainly sort of inbound? Uh, so at the pre-seed and seed stage, it's mostly inbound. So like I said earlier, since 2008, the beginning of 2018, so in, in over in just two and a half years, we had 4,000 companies apply to our office hours. And the reason we, we try and do a lot of um, content uh, marketing, things like that, so that people know. Well, the difficulty with pre-seed companies is, is that sometimes the founders, they don't have a website, they don't have it on their LinkedIn, they're not, uh, they, they might be still working full time. So it's really difficult to source um, people outright. There's, we've tried LinkedIn chatbots, like we've tried a ton of things, but um, I'd say it's definitely more inbound than outbound. Um, outbound in terms of outbound, like I try and go to as many events as possible. Um, referrals are a big one. And then as you get um, higher and higher up, so Series B and above, it's mostly VCs sourcing companies. So Perfect. there's that switch. Yeah. Um, a quick question if you know the number, if you don't, um, how many investments have you made since March and in what verticals? Any idea? It's quite since March. Question. So basically over lockdown, uh, yep. one, two, three, four, um, but we, two of them we met pre-lockdown. So that um, gives you hopefully your answer, Jamie. Um, Afan, you've got plenty of um, questions there. Um, if you contact, um, D Dale will drop you a line on that email address straight, straight away. I'm afraid we, we've pretty much run out of time now. There's only seconds left so thank you all for for letting you know, joining us today a big thank you for katie for for the insight that she's provided um again you know is the 
the fashion network and brewing dolphin run the boards you can't afford and um we're um we're very uh, very much looking forward to you um sending in any pitch decks you've got you know we'd love to hear from you and um and, and having follow up with you um and if you have any questions based on today or any questions based on any other type of investor that you'd like us to meet uh, in a in this series of webinars then please let us know but um Thank you so much for your questions. You've uh, yeah. um, you've certainly uh, covered questions. a lot of bases. Um, um, but um, if I don't hear from you, bye.